today on Ag News Daily. You'll basically create a traditional soil core hole in your field and you can use this to composite as well. So then you'll stick this down in the ground at varying levels. Uh, all of the marks are on here to go at different levels if you like. Welcome to September, listeners. The first of September. Today's episode is brought to you by the Farm Smart Podcast. Subscribe now at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farm smart. Back in the state of Iowa, delaying this morning, here to uh, get a good Friday episode put together and hopefully have more content to share with our listeners next week from Farm Progress Show. Yes, Tanner, we shared the Chevron REG interview yesterday, so excited for more great content that you captured while you were there. Absolutely. Weather seems to be heating back up for this weekend. We've got red flag warnings uh, in eastern Colorado and western Kansas. Winds will be sustained from 20 to 35 miles per hour. Relative humidity is going to fall below 11% on both days. So this is a warning because any fires that could be started may quickly become out of control in those areas. Conditions are also favorable in parts of Wisconsin. Warm weather, low humidity is going to hit most of the Midwest here during the next couple of days this weekend. Also, looking through the aftermath of uh, Hurricane Idalia, the post-tropical cyclone now is moving further away from North Carolina's coast after unleashing heavy rains across the southeast this week. Florida's west coast is the area that saw the most significant damage. It was the most powerful hurricane to slam into the Big Bend region in more than a century. It will impact Bermuda next weekend. The prompting tropical storm watch has been issued there already. In its wake, the storm left thousands of homes damaged in Florida, some shredded walls, roofs, other waist-high floodwater. That is still going to be difficult for them to navigate. Several deaths have been reported, unfortunately, but the devastation was not as bad as it could have been, thanks to the early warnings. The Category 3 hurricane pummeled Florida before going through Georgia and South Carolina. So we'll continue to keep an eye on and keep uh, those folks in that area in our mind. The 48 hours after are always the most important as far as monitoring the health of the citizens. So we'll continue to pray for them, and uh, hopefully everybody makes it through just fine. Well, Tanner, as we look at weather in South America, we've been talking quite as much about South America lately as Brazil and Argentina have been in production mode as well. But Argentina's 23-24 wheat crop really has taken an extreme beating here as weather has battered much of their agricultural areas. We have seen um, quite a bit of drought during the last month and month plus in the key winter, excuse me, the key wheat growing areas. But the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange said on Thursday that although they expect some rains next month, they don't know how much relief that's really going to bring. Um, As we look at just, you know, the last month plus, they've seen really high temperatures, just like we've seen here in the United States, um, abnormally high temperatures with that and dry conditions, but they've also seen on the flip side, some frosts that have begun to affect early yields for this season's wheat. Farmers in Argentina are a major global wheat exporter, although it's not one we talk about quite as frequently, Tanner, because we're generally thinking soybeans when we talk Argentina, 
But according to the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange's weekly report, they said scarce rain continues to have negative impacts on the Argentinian wheat crop. And they've uh, sown about 6 million hectares or 1.4 million acres of the grain. So not a huge production compared to what we see here in the United States and other countries. But nonetheless, uh, it might be a sign of other crops that are going to have similar issues here in Argentina. Interesting. We did see that yesterday the USDA put out their farm income income report. The latest estimate for the 2023 net farm income is down to nearly 42 billion or 23% reduction from the year before. The USDA's Economic Research Service released the August net income report. That's nearly 22 or it was 22.8 that nearly 23% year over year decline the uh, most large change is the account for inflation that was expected in some of these forecasts to have been curbed a little bit sooner than it has however the USDA is saying it is still expected to be 20% higher than the 20 year average net cash farm income is expected to follow the similar pattern it is now stated to be down 53.6 billion or 26.5 percent from 2022 of course adjusted for inflation they expected decline amounts to continue into the next couple of years however it is also expected to be above the 20-year average by nearly eight percent Lower cash receipts are expected to be down 4.3% year over year. It's quite interesting to see what these ag economists are saying. As you dive deeper, it looks like they're more bullish on soybean prices and corn prices is where the big red flags come in. The consumer demand for products like protein continues to be a red flag for most of the economists. The ag survey that accompanies the Ag Economist Monthly Monitoring Report. A joint effort between the University of Missouri and Farm Journal states that nearly 60 economists are providing this result. 5% are less optimistic about the health of the ag economy than they were a month ago. 10% are less optimistic when looking at the ag economy over the next 12 months. So a couple of alarming reports there, Delaney. Well, Tanner, as we know, the Iowa Utility Board continues to meet with farmers, landowners, and folks from the Carbon Solutions Pipeline. But we also got word that Minnesota regulators voted on Thursday to proceed with an environmental review of their part of the proposed time pipeline network that would carry, of course, carbon dioxide from the Midwest ethanol plants in Iowa all the way through many Midwestern uh states. Um, On August 5th, North Dakota regulators denied Summit's application for key permits, and landowners in South Dakota are also concerned, of course, about risks from the pipeline. So they are facing challenges, Tanner, on many fronts here, and North Dakota just completely shut it down. So it'll be interesting to see how they try to get around that one. But the network would also cross parts of Nebraska, where counties will be the regulators, not the state. So they'll have to go through county levels there. And all in all, Minnesota um, has mixed feelings on this, just as I think folks do here in Iowa. But the question is for Minnesota, 
um, is whether to approve a draft plan laying out the scope of a formal environmental review for one smaller part of the proposed project, just a 28-mile segment that would connect an ethanol plant in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, to the North Dakota border, where it would link the summit network. The commissioners approved it unanimously, and now the Minnesota-based Rural Environmental Advocacy Group, that's a mouthful, had asked to defer any action indefinitely because of the decision by the North Dakota Public Service to reject the certificate of need and route permit for the project. North Dakota regulators specifically cited several issues that said Summit didn't appropriately address in their proposal, such as cultural resource impacts, geological instability, and some landowner concerns, Tanner. But Summit, of course, petitioned North Dakota regulators to reconsider and that is where things kind of sit for the pipeline, aside from the, the hearing going on here in the state of Iowa. Other states are also deciding how they best move forward with the pipeline as well. Yes, there was a uh, airplane that flew around pulling a sign the entire week at Farm Progress Show, certainly expressing its opinion about the pipeline. Speaking of ethanol, uh, we saw the production fall to its lowest level in the last three months, ethanol, ethanol output dropped, but inventories also fell to their lowest level since November. Production of the biofuel dropped to an average of 1.007 million barrels a day for the week ending August 25th. That's down from 1.048 million barrels per day the week before that. The Midwest was still the largest producer as we look at that. Inventories in the week uh, ending August 25th, dropped to 21.609 barrels. That's down from 22.79. Again, like we said, that's the lowest level for stockpiles in the seven days period that ended on November 11th. So quite interesting there. We did hear in a couple of different discussions out of Farm Progress Show about Camelina seed, which is quite interesting. But Syngenta Seeds Sustainable Oils announced a commercial agreement to sell more Camelina seeds. This is an exciting cover crop to an extent uh, as related to the areas that don't need a substantial amount of rain. It's been focused on some testing in parts of Kansas and Colorado to look at growing this oil-based crop. It could be used for covers, but more importantly, the oil can also be used for uh, feedstocks. Right now, Camelina is a type of mustard. It's native to countries such as Finland and Romania and uh, parts of the Ural Mountains in Russia. But as far as the plans for the future of the oil seed, it is looked to be used for feedstock for the sustainable aviation fuel that is being talked about. So the renewable diesel and other animal feed productions are alternative markets. But when they look at the seed oil content, it has high omega-3 fatty acids. So Camelina could be a key part here, Delaney. And we've got a partnership now from two American giants to help make sure that Camelina seed is available to farmers who want to put it in the ground. Well, Tanner, we might have another hiccup here in port traffic as California introduced some, I guess, strange, but not all that surprising legislation to try and limit, of all things, Tanner, emissions. The 
South Coast Quality. Wait, that's a mouthful too. The South Coast Air Quality Management District, otherwise known as Squawk MD. I'm going to make that up. I don't know if that's how they actually pronounce the acronym. But anyway, uh, the South Coast, we'll call them here moving forward, has put out a proposal, PR 2304, that would oppose, or excuse me, that would limit emissions coming out of port activity and would certainly create some pretty large volume caps on Californian port activity, Tanner, which we already know has been struggling due to COVID and labor restrictions. In fact, officials are warning that ports might have to cut activity pretty drastically just to comply with this potential proposal. Um, But we've seen nearly 40% of all goods that enter the United States enter through those two ports in LA and Long Beach. That was last year, $380 billion of trade goods alone, Tanner. So if we do see California try to move forward with this piece of legislation, they're saying it might be the straw that breaks the camel's back here, as there are state and federal requirements in place and already regulating port admissions. Um, But this South Coast latest proposal would add another round of mandates that could hinder both productivity and competitiveness at these two really key ports. They're hoping, state of California, is to get it published as early as September to go through the review process with plans to have it approved by December. So that could really drastically impact a lot of folks who are using those two ports as their main import-export hub, Tanner. Interesting. All I've got left for headlines today is from Russia and Ukraine. Ukrainian drones again targeted Russia's capital, as well as the region that borders Ukraine. The flights serving Moscow were once again disrupted as Ukraine aims to tear down that part of Russia. An influential Russian military blogger who criticized how the war in Ukraine was being conducted was arrested in Moscow yesterday. The Ukrainians that are training to become more drone pilots are getting set up for aerial attacks in Russian territory. Ukraine says its counteroffensive made some progress in the southeastern region closer to Russia's sprawling network of fortified trenches. And Russian and Ukrainian prosecutors say that they have now opened more than 300 cases of alleged Russian crimes against children, unfortunately, to possibly be prosecuted against in the future. We do see that the Black Sea Grain Initiative was significant in stabilizing global food markets, but we know that there's a long way to go before we get another deal put back in place. However, the Kremlin confirms that Putin will meet with Turkish president as negotiations will continue. Indeed, these will take place uh, on Monday in Sochi is what was discussed here. The meeting will be held against the backdrop of the efforts to convince Moscow to reconsider its withdrawal from the deal as it withdrew in July. So we'll continue to keep an eye on there, but that's what I've got for headlines today. Yeah, and as we know, Tanner, the deal framework that you mentioned there, the meeting in Sochi, um, as I shared on the podcast yesterday, Russia claims to have their own plan on how they can focus on humanitarian efforts, which largely revolves around them and their grain exports doesn't really bring Ukraine back into the mix, even though that sounds like that is the Turkish government's main goal in meeting with them. 
However, we also heard from the United Nations late Thursday afternoon from Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, and he said that he has sent the Russian foreign minister a set of very concrete proposals aimed at reviving the safe corridor export deal. After Russia quit the deal back in July, we saw, of course, quite a few folks uh, very upset by this, including those that are in areas that have suffered greatly from not being able to get the grain. But according to Reuters, Russia did respond to a question about or to make a comment on the proposed deals. And they said that all the deals basically that the United Nations sent them were deals that they've already tried or proposals they've already tried. And they were things that didn't work. So he said there were no revelations in Gutierrez's letter. And it was just a sum of previous United Nations ideas that did not fly. So it did not sound like that was well-received, Tanner, as far as some potential proposals on how to fix that deal. And Russia definitely is digging their heels in and saying they're not budging. So we'll see if anything comes out of that meeting on, I think, Monday, as you mentioned there, between Turkey and Russia. But that, I think, is the latest headline I had as well. So what do you say we take a look here at overnight markets? Let's do it. Well, as we take a look here, we are recording again a little earlier than usual here, but markets are trading pretty higher here in the overnight. September corn up four and a quarter cent at 4.65. Dece new crop corn up five and a half cents at 4.83 and three quarters. Here in the morning market overnight here, September soybeans, oh, excuse me, November soybeans are up 14 and a quarter cent at 13.83. Jan beans up 14 and a quarter at 13.96. December hard red winter wheat up 10 and a half cents at 7.37 and three quarters. December spring wheat up six and three quarters cents at 7.73. And Chicago wheat up eight cents at 6.10. Tanner, I can't believe we're into the month of September already, but here we are. October live cattle yesterday ended 77 and a half cents higher at a buck 80, 82 and a half. October feeder cattle up 80 cents at 256.02. And October lean hogs shed $1.05 at 82.55. Tanner, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's conversation from the Farm Progress Show. Well, Delaney, I actually didn't get to sit in on this interview. I got to watch and listen, but we are talking to Tom with Epic Ag. You get to listen to a couple of the co-hosts from the Farm for Profit podcast as they discuss a really cool new soil probe. We could have saved it for Tech Tuesday next week, but it was too good not to share. So enjoy this. With the Farm Smart podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. We are at the Farm uh, Progress Show yep. 2023. We're out in Decatur. 
So you know, Corey, that I geek out on technology. Yes, you do. And uh, I saw a TikTok the other day that uh, Growing Corn put out there. Yep. And it was a soil probe. So uh, we reached out to uh, Tom with uh, Epic Egg Solutions. Tom Utel's with us today, and he's got the probe right in front of you, and this is so cool. So let's talk about how this can help us. Tom, welcome. Welcome, guys. Thanks so tell us a little me. bit more about yourself and uh, about Epic Egg. Yeah, so Tom Utel, uh, Effingham, Illinois, born and raised on a farm. Uh, have a passion for agriculture and problem solving, and I'm like you. I geek out on technology. Typically, it's a problem. Uh, we call it the bleeding edge, right, yeah. where, you, where you learn the hard way. And uh, so it's, it's interesting on this particular probe. I actually didn't say anything about it for a year, so I'm not the manufacturer, but I've used it for a year, a little over a year, and... Uh, Decided not to really talk a lot about it until we had it tried and true. So before we get to the probe, what, what else does Epic Ag do? Because obviously this just came last year, so what else yep. do you do? Yeah, so we've been in business for 20 years. Uh, we were formerly Utel Seed Sales. Uh, obviously, nobody can pronounce my last name if you look at how it's spelled and how it's pronounced. Uh, and seed is not all we do anymore, so the name didn't really fit, and we wanted to change some things. And so we sell seed, uh, biological soil amendments, and some fertilizers. Okay. So do soil testing and recs and you know, problem solve. Yep. All right. So now let's get into this probe. This does not look like the traditional soil probe. It doesn't even have a core in it. What is this? So it's, yeah, there's no brick and mortar there, is there? So uh, basically what this does is this brings the lab on a stick to the field. And so you'll basically create a traditional soil core hole in your field, and you can use this to composite as well. So then you'll stick this down in the ground at varying levels. Uh, all of the marks are on here to go at different levels, if you like. Uh, so some people want to do, you know, 6 to 12, 12 to 18, so on and so forth. Uh, but you'll create the hole. You'll stick this down in there and test the, hit the test button. And 10 to 15 seconds, you'll have a result on your phone. So, so it Bluetooths to your phone. So it's a battery-operated device that we're bringing with, and we stick this probe in the hole. And then uh, how long does it take? Wait, like, what's it take to get a soil sample? 10 to 15 seconds, you'll have a result back on your phone in your hand. Okay, so it Bluetooths to your phone. Yes, sir. That's and correct. then your phone, does that use like GPS in your phone to say yes. exactly where your, yep. your soil mark was? Yeah, it's all geo-referenced, and they're all tagged on the probe, so you'll know exactly where it was and what the tag number was. So is it just a phone, or when Corey goes back, can he like overlay this uh, uh, on his field maps or something? Sure. It, do you guys have a, a system, a user interface? Yeah, so this will automatically upload through the app to the cloud. And then we can download those results and import it into the software of choice that you normally write your recs out of. So traditionally, if we were doing like two and a half acre grids, you'd take what? You'd take several cores from one spot. Mm -hmm. Are Correct. you doing the same with this? That's exactly what we'll do. And then we'll make a composite on the backside through the app or through the platform, the yep. web platform. We'll make a composite to combine all of those tests right. just like you normally would into one bag. Yep. So, Corey, there's only like four buttons on top, so it looks pretty dummy-proof. I, I think it's on and then uh, and, and then press start or go, correct? And test. Yep, that's exactly right. So, traditionally, like I said, when we're taking a normal core sample of two-and-a-half-acre grids, it could take up to weeks to get your results. That's correct. This is now at your fingertips yeah. in the field before you leave. Exactly so right. now I got a question. Uh, I know every listener is going to say, "What's the validity of this?" If it took two weeks before to get the same thing, 
what makes this so good that they can do it in 30 seconds? I mean, there's got to be naysayers out there, Corey, that are like, yeah, this is flash in the pan. What, you, you said you use this for a year before you came out with it. Yeah, that's So correct. you were testing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, we test it. And it is calibrated. And that, by the way, there's no naysayers in ag, is there? Only <laughs> <laughs> anyway. on grain markets. <laughs> <on Facebook. laughs> um, so they'll actually send the bags with you. And you'll send the soil off from your area. And I always tell people the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? We okay. want a lot of different consistencies and soil types. Send it off to the lab. Lab will send those results to the company. The company will then calibrate your probe in your office. And so then they'll give you the green light to go ahead and run the machine. So we don't, so it is we don't own the probe the then? No, it's actually a lease program is what it is. Okay. And, you know, I've had a couple people that want to own it. And the way it is with technology anymore and motherboards and firmware... You know, I really don't want to own anything technology-wise, so it is a lease program. So we got a subscription-based quarry. How many samples do you think we get to do? Five, ten, hundred? On a subscription? I would think it's unlimited. It is unlimited. Perfect. So it has to be if you're taking a lot of samples. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so the app's free, the platform's free, but most importantly, stick it in the ground as often as you'd like, and it's going to cost you the same per year. So... There's really no upside. You know exactly yeah. what your costs are going to so, be. So, Corey, do you do, downside. you know, you did agronomy and, and some seed sales yep. as well. Um, but you rent farm ground. So part of the deal when I farm manage a farm, I ask my tenants to do soil samples yes. uh, either every other year or annually just to make sure that we're good land stewardship. Uh, do, do any of your uh, landlords request that? Uh, it's in some contracts, yes. I would say uh, traditionally it's every four years. Okay. Um would be what most probably soil because yeah, a two and a half acre grid every four years cost you anywhere you know, probably regional but you know eight to fifteen dollars an acre mm-hmm. basically yep. I would say that's very uh, close. you do the math on that and you say you're a thousand acre farmer so you're at eight to fifteen thousand dollars that's exactly right so and what's the the elephant in the room is what's a lease on this bad boy cost right at six thousand a year there you go so, so this could be a tool. That the farmer could own, save their money. They could be sampling more often. Mm-hmm. Value add to their landlord. Dave could own it exactly. and go sample the farm that he's going to sell and be like, look, it's this. It's yeah. good. I've thought about it. And let, let's say that it makes the farm bring $1,000. If I sell six farms, did I pay for it free and clear? And value add that I'm the only business right. that doesn't. But how do we do it? So have you done it during season? So right now, corn standing, uh, send a college kid out there. Is somebody out there, I'm going to say, hot days. They got to go out and sample that. That's my only uh, problem, Corey, is can I get somebody to do that? And then how do they walk through the field in the correct spot? Can you set up patterns before in the app before you go out? No, actually. So you'll use traditional software uh, to take you to the, the geospatial areas that okay. you want to pull from, just like you normally would. If you're pulling two-and-a-half-acre grids, yep. You know, do use that software like you normally do. This will take care of the lab in the field. So then, again, upload the results, upload that into whatever fo- software you want to write recs out of. So, so a lot it, of the, the trend now is taking <coughs> samples in season with a tissue sample. Mm-hmm. So when's the tissue sample version of this coming? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, we can't sometimes predict technology, right? Right. Um, it, to be honest with you, it's a very nice piece to be able to go out in the field and troubleshoot. So that's actually what we were doing two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, we were having some issues on some soybeans, couldn't figure out what it was. We sent off tissue samples, brought this into the field. A lot of times when I go out and scout and troubleshoot, that's what I love to do, you don't get those results back for a week or 10 days. 
well, things change, your schedule changes, those mm -hmm. field areas change, you don't get back out there and do your due diligence on that, on that operation to help the guy. And so with this in the, in the field, you can automatically kind of predict or see what's happening from a soil perspective, send off the tissue test to be able to confirm it. Okay. How, how much of your success, Corey, do you think is based on uh, healthy soil? Uh, I think it, everything. If you, everything is based off, I mean, it starts from the ground. Okay. We've got healthy soil. It's going to treat you so right. So we don't care about planter, grain bins, anything until we have the step one. You got to have a good foundation, right? Yeah. So uh, here we are. Uh, we always talk. You know, this is the this is coffee shop talk about what's working. We have a product here that we saw uh, socially, and uh, but boy, this could be a, a value add for folks all over. But and so you're not the inventor. No, nope. you're you're just a guy that helps uh, uh, pitch it. It sounds like I'm just a guy that actually was yeah made the social media post. That's it. That's I got gotcha. you. So where do people so, get it? Like what do they do? What, like uh, other than uh, text you and bombard your cell phone? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, get a hold of the company directly. Uh, there's a specific link on the on the website that will bring you to them uh, and let them know that you found it on social media. Uh, but Crystal Labs is actually the manufacturer of the product. Uh, get a hold of me at, at Tom at Epic Ag or my cell numbers on the website, and my website is Epic Ag Solutions. So, so it looks like that's about three pounds, Corey. So carry that around all light. day. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty simple. Pretty simple. Do you see a lot more people going away from grids and going to like zone with this type of stuff? I, I actually do because of the flexibility that it offers. Yep. I think it gives us an opportunity to manage differently than we have in the past. Okay. Uh, it, it changes tradition some, but I think it, it brings a lot of flexibility and a lot of power. We were talking earlier, um, you know, about buying land and yep. things like that, knowing what fertility is. That's a big thing. So there's, there's a lot of different type of soil tests out there, or several types of soil tests, mm -hmm. I should say. What is this one basing off of? You know, because we talk about Haney and all yep. these other ones. Yep. Yeah. So it does not do Haney. It can do Malik or Bray. Okay. So, and it tests all the big ones, including micros. So they can do testing on nitrogen. I've not honestly had a lot of luck in nitrogen soil testing because it varies so much. Yep. Um, but it, it does test pH, buffer pH, CECs, organic matters. What about, uh, could you like stick it into a, a pile of manure and, and test like cattle manure? Or well, I've actually, like I've not done that. I don't know why it wouldn't work. It'd be interesting because, I mean, we have to have that for manure management plants. Yeah, that's exactly right. The manure management side, I would have to check into that. That would be interesting. I got are hogs. There, are so. there any livestock here at the Farm Progress Show? Maybe uh, we could go check. Horses. There's horses there, out. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could do that. Oh, we want to get Corey stick it in a pile of manure. go out there and uh, get some horse. We need some horse manure. manure. We're going to yeah, <laughs> measure manure at the Farm yeah. Progress Show. <laughs> that would be interesting. Well, is there anything else we missed about this? You want I don't think know? so. Handy, you know, user interface and flexibility is probably, like you said, it's kind of dummy proof. There's only a couple buttons, and you really yeah. can't go wrong with it. So if we order one of these today... When do we get it? Uh, looking at about four to five weeks out. Okay. So, so pretty quick. That's coming quick yep. uh, for fall. So if you want to yep. get it, better get the order in. Yep. Get your order in, and they'll do an onboarding. And, again, they'll, they'll proof it to the lab or, you know, correct it to the lab. And so, yeah. Well, well listeners, we're with Tom Utell at uh, Farm Progress Show 2023 Epic Ag Solutions and just shared about a digital on-demand soil probe and uh, great conversation. I think that's going to work for a lot of people. Yep, had a lot of interest in it since that social media post Very all over cool. the country and world. So, With the Farm Smart Podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. 
Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Well, there you go, Delaney. Hopefully our listeners are familiar with Corey and Dave. I appreciate them helping us out, collecting some really good content during a busy farm progress show. But are you ready for the weekend? I am, Tanner. It is going to be a three-day weekend here with Labor Days. So we hope everybody has a little grill out, enjoys the last of the summer season here. And we'll see everyone again on Tuesday. But Tanner, with that. That's right. Go. That is right. Before we let them go, we have to remind them that they need to subscribe to the Farm Smart Podcast. You can do that by going to nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. But yes, let's let them go.